This is the first week in Advent, and it starts the annual Christian clock all over again. Just as our ordinary clocks go around twice each day, dividing time into a.m. and p.m., so our devotional clock makes two rounds every year. The a.m. round begins with Advent and ends on Pentecost. During this time, our attention is focused on the Christian faith and what God has done to grant us salvation. The p.m. round ticks off all of those Sundays after Pentecost. And during that time, we focus on the Christian life and how the Spirit works out the salvation God has given us through our personal growth and our service to the world. The purpose of the Advent season, which begins the a.m. round, is twofold. It prepares us for celebrating the coming of Christ at Christmas and for the second coming of Christ at the end of time in history. And just as we prepare our homes ahead of time for the coming of holy days, so Advent calls us to prepare our hearts and minds for the coming of the Holy One, who seeks to be born in us and not just among us. So the question is, how do we get ready for him? In Mark chapter 13, Jesus gives us the first, but not the last, critical clue. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home, he puts his slaves in charge and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore, keep awake. You do not know when the master of the house will come or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. There's a feature in the English language on which I am not an expert, but which those who are tell me we encounter in many words. When you put the letter A in front of these words, their meaning gets intensified. For example, take the word sleep. It uh, has developed from an ancient meaning like sluggish or slack. When you put an A in front of it, as in asleep, it describes a state or a condition in which people are unresponsive to what's going on around them. They are unaware or unconscious. In other words, to be asleep is the exact opposite of readiness. A dramatist once produced a play and begged the American poet Carl Sandburg to attend the dress rehearsal in order to give him a critique of the production. Sandburg went, but he slept through the entire performance. The producer was deeply disappointed, and when he complained, saying that he had really wanted Sandburg's opinion of the play, Sandburg replied by saying, sleep is an opinion. as all professors know. <laughs> and surely it is. It reflects a lack of engagement in the drama. Well, are we asleep to the central drama of our existence? We are certainly alert to the physical and material dimensions of our life, which we can perceive with our senses but we seem to lack much notice or interest in the source of our life, 
We get swallowed up in our external concerns, losing awareness of our internal meanings and don't even know it. In that regard, we're like the infant innocent A.E. Hausman described by saying the grizzly bear is huge and wild. He has devoured the infant child. The infant child is not aware he has been eaten by the bear. When scripture defines the human reality of sin, as it does in this passage read from Isaiah this morning, it's not speaking primarily of actions that violate moral regulations. It's speaking rather of a human condition in which people created in the image of God to live by the breath of God have been so swallowed up by the grisly bears of evil and death that they do not even know what's happened to them. They literally live awake to the physical and material, but are sound asleep in the spiritual center that makes them human. Isaiah knows that only the quaking of the mountains will break through this human slumber. No wonder life seems so meaningless to all of us some of the time, and some of us all of the time. As Eugene O'Neill said in Marco's Millions, Life is perhaps most wisely regarded as a bad dream between two awakenings, and every day is a life in miniature. Well, what is God then to do with us? Let us sleep? Leave us in our state of unconsciousness? Shall God do for us what the renowned Austrian pianist Arthur Schnabel is said to have done for the elderly woman in the front row who slept through his entire concert? When the audience's ovation rang through the auditorium at the end of the conference, she awoke with a start. And Schnabel is said to have leaned over the footlights to apologize by saying, it was the applause, madam, I played as softly as I could. Is that what God should do? Allow us to miss the whole symphony of life, only to awaken at the shouts of angelic praise for a stunning divine performance from which we can no longer benefit? Well, that would be non-manipulative on God's part, but would it be caring? If friends don't let friends drive drunk, would God let friends sleep away their nature and destiny? Maybe there is still some value in that tactic John Wesley, the great founder of Methodism, once used, noticing people fast asleep during worship one sudden Sunday, he suddenly cried out, fire, fire. And the sleepers awakened, leaped to their feet, looked anxiously around and asked, where? To which Wesley replied, where? in hell. <laughs> For those who sleep under the preaching of God's word. <clears throat> well, that style may be too crude for our more sophisticated age, but the thrust is not without its point in our time. We cannot be ready to escape great danger or benefit from great opportunity so long as we are asleep. And it's no demonstration of care to let us sleep and suffer the consequences or lose the benefits. 
So God comes to wake us up. The opposite of the word sleep is the word wake. Wake means to be on watch. It's interesting that the word watch has come to refer to a small timepiece. It's like the one Sir Herbert Beerbaum, the great British Shakespearean actor, once referred to. He told of a day when he saw a man staggering toward him on the street under the weight of a huge grandfather clock. And Beerbaum stopped him and asked, my good man, why not carry a watch? Well, why not carry a watch? The word watch first meant to be awake. The earliest records show its first association with timepieces was in reference to alarm clocks, something that wakes you up, that puts you on watch. Well, God has an alarm clock, a watch for us to wear, a watch that can make us aware, make us alert to both the dangers and the opportunities from which sleep would keep us. That divine watch we know as God's law. If we strap it onto our minds and our hearts and our lives, it will send off alarms that grizzly bears are drawing near to devour us or the slumber of insensitivity to the divine drama is beginning to overtake us. The thou shalts and thou shalt nots we so deeply resist and cover our ears to avoid hearing are not intended to either rescue us from danger or give us life. They lack the power to do either. Our salvation comes from another source that we know as gospel. But the divine law has this one great favor to give us. It wakes us up out of sleep so that the possibilities available from the gospel are open to us. As Henry David Thoreau said, only that day dawns to which we are awake. There is more day to dawn, the sun is but a morning star. So while there is much more for us beyond awakening, there is nothing for us without first awakening. What we have before us in this AM round of the Christian clock is the great drama of divine redemption in which the great acts of God will be portrayed before our eyes in what Fulton Ausler called the greatest story ever told. And God wants us to see this production and to give him our response to it. Are we going to sleep through it? Should the performer try to play it as softly as possible so as not to disturb our slumber? Shall the conductor leave out the brass and the percussion instruments from the performance and allow only the soft strings to play? Should the preacher be like Little Boy Blue? Little Boy Blue, come blow your horn, the sheep's in the meadow, the cow's in the corn. But where is the boy who looks after the sheep? He's under the haystack, fast asleep. Will you wake him? No, not I. For if I do, he'll be sure to cry. Well, Jesus doesn't fear a few human terms or tears. So in this passage from Mark's Gospel, 
he hollers out to us, preacher and people alike, something wonderful is about to happen. God is about to act. The dawn of world redemption is about to break in. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know the time when it will come. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. My dear men or madam, struggling under the weight of time, why not carry a watch? Or a ribbon. Amen.